What on earth is that? It's a Journey into Comics Network production! Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 66 of Poor360. As always, I am your host, Andrew Poor, and I want to thank you for joining me here on a kind of difficult episode. It seems like this past week has felt like it's lasted a year. It seems like everyone is at their wits' end, stresses are high, and people are doing things and seeing things and that just leave a bad taste in their mouth, in my mouth, in everyone's mouth. It seems just to be that there's a lot of chaos out there and a lot of brutality, and there's not really a way to see light in all of this. And we had what should have been a pretty momentous Saturday for the U.S. and for the future, But it was overshadowed, rightfully, by systematic problems that have been going on for decades, centuries, going on way too long. And for the most part, people try to just ignore it, let it get brushed under the rug, or just kind of move on with their lives, bare their head in the sand about it all. And now people have been confronted by it. In the age of social media, everything is recorded Everything's been seen. Everything is kind of everywhere. And you can't really avoid it. I mean, it... And this weekend... um, I'm going to kind of go back to go forward. But this weekend, I went and visited my parents in central Illinois. And for the first time in a while, I had, like, the news on. Because uh, my dad's a kind of has the news on in the background pretty much all day. So uh, CNN was just on from when we got there Saturday morning until when we left Sunday afternoon. And what a weekend to have the news on, to see what was going in cities around the world emanating from Minneapolis. It was just... Words can't really describe it. And honestly, I'm not the voice to really bring this to you. As a young, white, Christian, college-educated male, I know nothing of the struggles that a lot of people are facing through all of this. If I ever get in any situation, my skin color and my status in life are going to benefit me greatly. And that can't be said for a lot of people. And it's kind of ridiculous. And I'll kind of get into this more. I don't want to focus the whole episode on this because it is important but I'm going to kind of want to run through the week's events to figure out 
the best way to do this. I have a list of what I want to talk about, and before all this happened, I kind of planned to show the comparisons of how people were handling the coronavirus and businesses reopening, because last week, that was what was newsworthy. That's what everyone was talking about, was the coronavirus being stuck at home. The fact that there was a lot of places were entering a phase three or a phase two where there was the ability to kind of go outside and be social. And now we come a week after that and it's an entirely different world we're in. There's discussions people are having. There's there's just so much. Sorry, I want to just make a quick note. It's been crazy. But I'm going to kind of... I have a whole list of what I want to get into here. And I'm going to start with some of the things and everything else I have to talk about ties into really the main point of this episode. So, like I said, my original plan for this episode when I was going to be traveling to visit my parents with uh, my wife and I was basically to see... Because obviously, as anyone who's listening to the show knows, I now live in the Chicago suburbs, and things are a lot different here than compared to where I grew up, which was in downstate central Illinois. And I kind of want to see how it was different, because obviously up here, we in the city I live in now, we have a, a mask order that hasn't been lifted, which means anytime we're in public, we have to have a mask on. Like, And I went back to work this week, and I have to wear a mask when... I am not in my immediate cubicle area. When I go to the bathroom, when I go to the break room, when I'm talking to anyone else, I have to wear a mask. When I leave to go do DoorDash, when I leave to go um, run any errand, mask on. And I was curious to see how that was going to be treated when I traveled downstate. And my first kind of relation was just getting... As far south as Kankakee, uh, the way I kind of travel home is that the Kankakee is a good halfway point. It's usually where you get gas, let the dog out to do his business, use the bathroom, get a snack or a drink or whatever, and get back on the road. Noticed I got out of the car after getting gas, put my mask on, went into the um, went into the like the truck stop, and I was kind of the odd one out wearing a mask. Liz and I were both wearing masks and surrounded by people who weren't, even the people that worked there. I think maybe the employees had masks on, I don't really remember at this point, but everyone else attending in, despite there being a sign on the door that says masks required for entry, it was not being enforced. So I knew kind of what I was getting into as I get around this. Also a lot of things about um, strong dislike for the governor, kind of some of the chaos that was um, going on. I saw like a... a uh, was it like a a puck fritzker sign and um a lot of conservative leaning uh signage about um kind of the tyranny of the governors and all of that and basically still people upset about the stay-at-home order and it was still very much true when i got into danville when i got back to where my parents live is yeah a lot despite the fact there still is a statewide the fact that we're still wearing masks was not really a mask to be had there's i went into one department store down there and the employees had masks on but they were kind of under their chin 
not wear anywhere near the face, and they were going about their business. Anyone who came in not wearing a mask. People just treating it as if it didn't matter. Went to um, a winery, which was down there, and employees weren't wearing masks, people weren't wearing masks. They had capacity rules and six-foot requirements, but no no mask that they were enforcing. Obviously, we were dining outside after we had our uh, got our bottle for the table and went outside into like the big open area. But the same thing when we went to a bar later that day. It's um, no masks, no none of that. Still had it on, but yeah, it wasn't being. I thought that was interesting, and and it was um, it was definitely a different experience to feel like the odd one out for protecting myself and protecting you because. Obviously, if I wear a mask and you don't, I'm still as much a risk to catch anything. You're just at a slightly less risk because if I have it and I'm wearing a mask, you are more protected than if I'm wearing a mask and I don't have it and you don't have a mask on and you have it and you breathe in my direction. So, really all I was doing was helping others and no one was really caring about me or anyone else. So, that was some things. Um... But overall, it was a it was a good trip and very um, kind of enlightening to see how people downstate were treating everything that was going on with regards to the coronavirus with testing all of that. A lot of people were just like didn't seem to care. It didn't seem to matter. They seemed far enough removed from the populous areas that they thought that they could just go about their business as usual, still be in big groups, still doing whatever they want to, and yeah, really interesting. Um, I didn't, I was very happy to see at least my grandmother who was in her nineties was being very cautious. I uh, went and saw her. We stayed, several days. even offered to stay outside, but she had us in. We had the masks on staying further than six feet on the other side of the room, essentially to talk to her and catch up since I haven't seen her in a, uh, quite a few months. And when you're relative in the nineties, you want to make sure you see them as much as possible because you never know when things could get, could happen suddenly. So it was good to see her and good to catch up, and it always makes for uh, a nice trip when you go back home. Um, another thing that's been kind of interesting is that while everyone was under the stay-at-home order and everyone was kind of stuck at home, there was an announcement of these murder hornets, which were large and devastating and were here to kind of cause chaos and kill all the bees, which could kill everything else. Um, the domino effect of bees, everyone saw like the happening not quite that level of extreme, but how bees control a lot of stuff we like from all the food we eat to the cough we need to survive. And yeah, lots of fun. But basically those became a kind of a non-newsworthy issue. They just faded. And it's kind of made me realize that as a society, as a world, we kind of have an ADD now that it comes to a 24-hour news cycle. The fact that social media and everything else is so attached to us that if anything has five seconds of relevance, it's important. But as soon as something else bigger, stronger, more interesting comes along, that thing is immediately forgotten. Like, it already feels like the SpaceX launch on Saturday morning, which was 72 hours ago, 78 hours ago, I, d- I don't remember. It was 
Saturday mid-afternoon. Felt like it was a year ago, honestly, since what's happened since then. Now, it was quite a thing to see because I did the news was on when I was uh, visiting my parents. I did get to see the, the launch. You get to see a space shuttle leave um, the Kennedy Space Center to launch off out of Florida. Got to see every, all the people lined up, most wearing masks, some not, because it's Florida. But you get to see the first manned space launch from the U.S. soil in nine years. And that was that was quite a sight to see. It was kind of a little funny because there was like a six or so second delay between um, between the SpaceX feed of the launch and the news agency feed. So they started the countdown and before it got to zero, the shuttle was already in the air and it was a little confusing. I was like, oh, someone, someone who's faking this started the feed too soon or something, but... It was just the delay and everything seemed to go off and a bunch of people saw it and got to share pictures and videos and got to even see it um, the next morning docking with the International Space Station, learning how that the way the airlocks and all that set up that every ship or every, yeah, basically every spacecraft that has to dock with it, regardless of where the world has to make the same style connecting piece to connect to the space station. So regardless if it's made in Russia, Japan, China, whatever, um, asked to line that up, and I thought it was kind of cool. And it was good for them, to s- the two guys that um, got to launch off, they got to kind of ride up in a Tesla, and it was all very, you know, it's Elon Musk, it's all interesting, but it was quite a thing to see, and it would be something that on either day would be a uniting factor. When we were first went to space in the late 60s, it was something that everyone watched. It was kind of a unifier. It was the next step in this grand adventure. It's supposed to be a sign of great things in the future, and it is, but it was immediately overshadowed by the tragic nature and awfulness that was left on Earth when those guys left, which is just systematic issues and racism and brutality that exist on a on what it seems to be a daily basis it's as relevant as shootings are it seems like these days as often as we saw like like um like gun tragedies of people open firing in places it's just as prevalent, if not more prevalent than that, and we saw that, and those become so common years ago that it, or in the past few years, that it almost came second after something that you look up like, oh, another another shooting, another another mass shooting, and then back to what you're doing before. It's which is ridiculous. It should be something that makes you stop and think, and it all kind of, and I, and I will be honest before. I came into everything with um, regarding George Floyd, who um, who tragically passed away due to an instance of a police officer's brutality of um, essentially just kind of not quite strangling him, but really crushing his windpipe until he until he passed away while they restrained him. 
He held his knee on the on the man's neck for seven minutes until he died. And that's awful. But I honestly, I came to that late. It was a couple of days after that before I really knew the full extent of what was going on. The most, um, kind of the most racially unjust thing I saw before that, which was at the beginning of the week, was regarding a a pretty seemingly um, like soft-spoken um, kind of I don't know. I, it just seemed like a, just a guy out bird watching who happened to be black made a comment to a woman who wasn't who was in a leash dog park zone with her dog not on a leash in basically like a bird um, watching area in Central Park. Guy calmly asked her to leash the dog and she went off basically freaking out, um, was strangling her dog essentially and basically threatened that she would call the police and say an African-American man was harassing her, fully knowing that there is a racial bias when it comes to a black man and a white woman. In any situation, they're more likely to believe the woman and the man, regardless of the situation. The fact that the guy had was recording this whole thing didn't wouldn't even have mattered. And... Luckily, things didn't escalate too much, and the woman got kind of what was coming to her. She um, rightfully surrendered her dog because the publicity of that. I think she lost her job, too. I don't know the... But it shows that you can't weaponize racism like that. You can't weaponize prejudice to get what you want. As much as it seems enough, people like to activate that of their own volition. And that kind of led to what happened the rest of the week. So, like I said earlier in the episode, um, when uh, George Floyd was murdered, it happened in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And it caused kind of a resurgence. And I wouldn't really want to call it a resurgence, but there was, based on the fact that it was filmed it was spread everyone got to see kind of the moment his life left him it caused a a newfound um vitality and energy regarding uh the black lives matter movement and it led to um marches and protests um in minneapolis and spreading throughout major cities across the u.s and even internationally uh, earlier today, I did see that there was protests and marches in all 50 states, which is very impressive, and I applaud all of them for what they did. But we saw it did get um, did get ugly. There was um, got to see police in full riot gear and using flashbangs and tear gas to try and um, stifle these protests even when they were happening peacefully. Um, We saw opportunistic people taking advantage of the I won't even call it chaos but the disruption that the protests and marches were um, 
were causing to wreak some chaos of their own to be negative and they were there was looting and there was um damage they were causing by smashing in store windows uh graffitiing uh buildings setting fires it's just things that weren't true to the message but were happening concurrently so people thought they were kind of one and the same and it was it was clouded the message they were trying to make and it was seemed to be for some people justifying the police's action against these protesters because they saw that they were protecting structures and peoples and businesses and it definitely caused i think more um protests and more um, marches and one thing that I thought was kind of interesting through all of this is that not even a few weeks ago we were seeing um, other marches and protests regarding people that were against the um, restrictions caused by the stay-at-home order. That they were ready to go out and get a haircut and go to a restaurant and they were sick of being home and there were people... Um, predominantly white people that were protesting in essentially riot gear of their own or carrying weapons and at capitals in the faces of the cops that were protecting those buildings and we got to see a strong dichotomy between the two protests we saw that during the stay-at-home protests the cops were for the most part in their typical uniforms or in like light uh, SWAT protection because there were people there with guns and everything and they didn't want that to get ugly either but you got to see them in practically military like i a lot of the footage i saw when i was watching the news over the weekend could have been taken from a war zone is from the looks of it the way there was fire and smoke and police in riot gear and all of that and it was it was very interesting to see how that both of these events were treated very differently by the people in power. And I, um, I did have, uh, two things I kind of wanted to share as I'm kind of continue talking about this. Um, and you've probably seen it shared. If you are on social media at all, you've kind of seen this happen. And, um, there's one that's kind of been circulating a lot and it's, um, it says, here's an example of how white privilege sounds. It says, you keep saying it's horrible that an innocent black man was killed, but destroying property has to stop. Try saying it's horrible that property is being destroyed, but killing innocent black men has to stop. Your proprietary is in the wrong part. And I agree with this statement. This is true. A lot of people are seeing it as what is... They're more upset by the looting or the destruction of property than they are by a very undoctored video of brutality um, by someone in power against someone not in power. And I saw that, and I also saw um, kind of this Venn diagram that was circulating around, which had uh, four circles, and basically it shows where you kind of can be or where you should be. So it said... Um, the top circle says George Floyd's death was murder. 
The right circle says, we must confront our history of racial inequality and justice, acknowledge we do not all live in the same America. Uh, the bottom circle says, looting and burning businesses is immoral and counterproductive, and people who do this should be arrested. And on the left one, it says, mass protests and civic disruption are legitimate and warranted actions in response. And a lot of people seem to be focusing on the bottom one, which is the looting and businesses are immoral and counterproductive, and people who do this should be arrested. But you should really be... You can be all the things. You can really be in any of the of them, but I I feel like I fall in the center of that. I do think that people that are looting or causing unnecessary destruction that aren't tied to the protesters who are just clouding their mess or just doing this just to live some kind of um, anarchy fantasy that they have. I mean, I've seen so many videos of people graffitiing or breaking windows, and they're not protesting anything. They kind of just do it to get their jollies, and they walk off, and it's ridiculous because all it's doing is making everyone think that the people that are protesting, the people that have legitimate concerns, legitimate reasons to be upset, that they're just a bunch of rabble-rousers. They're the ones that are they shouldn't take, be taken seriously because of what's going on. And it's, it's horrible to think that. And a lot of people are saying at the same time that um, that you shouldn't be saying that black lives matter. You should be saying that all lives matter. And I get what some people are meaning. Um, and, I, and I found a nice article that kind of explains this. Um, and it, it goes kind of a long way to say. So it's from... Um, this is from Vox. It's from uh, German Lopez. Um, it's a involves a cartoon from Chris Job at Chainsaw Suit. So um, one of those common responses to Black Lives Matter is all lives matter, but the response misses the point. So the comic says um, it's two people talking. It says, "Well, I think that all lives matter. We should care exactly equally at all the times about everything." And then it shows them saying, "All houses matter," and there's a house that's clearly on fire. And the person who has a fire hose is spraying at a house that's not on fire. And the point of Black Matter isn't to suggest that black lives should be or are more important than all other lives, but instead that black people's lives are relatively undervalued in the U.S. and more likely to be ended by police, and the country needs to recognize the inequality to bring an end to it. Um, So Reddit users uh, GeekSTet made the point in a thread explaining why the phrase all lives matter is offensive. So imagine that you're sitting down to dinner with your family and while everyone else gets a serving of the meal, you don't get any. So you say, I should get my fair share. And as a direct response to this, your dad corrects you saying, everyone should get their fair share. Now, that's wonderful sentiment. Indeed, everyone should. And that was kind of and that was kind of your point in the first place, that you should be a part of everyone and you should get your fair share also. However, dad's friend has comment just dismissed you and didn't solve the problem that you still haven't gotten any. So Strop's cartoon echoes this point. If a house is burning down, you're obviously going to focus on putting out that fire instead of watering a house that's just fine. In this analogy, black lives are the burning house and everyone else is living a much more comfortably in the house that isn't burning down. Clearly one is a bigger problem. Which I think is a pretty kind of elegant say, elegant way of putting it. And I th- think that's um, everyone would ask because, yes, all lives do matter, but... Right now, black lives matter. And that's kind of all I have to say about that.
that now is not the time to say that everyone needs help because literally, (laughs) I don't know. It's just seeing people on Facebook and their opinions has been just depressing and negative and it just makes, like, I contemplated heavily, um, unless they were just, like, deleting Facebook, deleting social media off my phone because it's not good for my mental health to be seeing all of this negativity and hatred towards people who are just trying to survive. And it's awful. And during all this, we should be seeing leadership. We should be seeing understanding from the people in power. And during all of this, while there were protests essentially outside his door, the president chose to basically turn off all the lights in the White House and retreat to his underground bunker for quote-unquote safety. Which I have a lot of issues with. One, we needed him to step up, but he, the president seems to be kind of enjoying the, the strong divide we have in the country. He wants to see this boil to a head because then he can see it as justification. The other point I have an issue with is that the White House should never go dark. It should always be well lit, showing that we have active leadership, that we are always ready. Showing the White House dark seems like there's no one in charge. Do it do with what you will. Like it doesn't make us look good in our standing with the world. I mean, not that all the chaos that was happening this week made us look good at all, but the president and the White House are things that should be valued. They're things that need the impression at the bare minimum of a strong functioning government of leadership and turn the lights on is or turn the lights off and retreating really affects our standing. We're not looking like a superpower. We're not looking like we're the US is a force to be reckoned with. It makes us look like we're being childish that our leadership will rather take their ball and go home than operate. That we're basically they think the US is falling into chaos and that there's no leadership to be had anywhere. And it's ridiculous. And kind of to make matters worse, once this started tracking, once this was blowing up and everyone was saying that basically Trump was hiding out on Twitter while the world around, the well, the, the nation around him was burning, that he chose to beca- try and create PR for himself and basically used... Christianity and the Bible as a prop to basically make a campaign ad to make him look strong, to make him feel important, to make him feel like he his base will be with him. So the police, um, using flashbangs and tear gas, cleared out basically a path that him and his people could take from walk from the White House to um, to a church in Lafayette Park where he's maybe attended it once and including like 
tear gassing the clergy of the church who were just helping out. And we've seen the reaction, I'm not going to go into it, of how the people in charge of that church reacted to this, how seeing their church, which did the same to damage during the protest, during the, the riots that ensued that were probably unrelated to the protests themselves. Got to see kind of how those were being handled, and they didn't appreciate it. And and then seeing pictures of Trump holding a Bible, like, upside down, like, between, like, his two fingers, like it, like he's never held a Bible before, imposing in front of a church that was partially boarded up to try and make himself, to make it seem like he was strong in the face of all of this, that using religion as a back to enforce his strongly religious conservative base, many of whom were already upset at them for how this is being handled because they're as equally upset about this as a lot of us are. And I I saw it as fake and like he was trying to set up a good shot on a reality TV show and not give any signs of strength. And it, and it happened again just today. He went to uh, the National Shrine for St. John Paul II, who was the two popes ago. He was the probably the the most loved pope we've had. Um, And and as a Catholic person, um, it it was pretty disgusting to see um, him continue to try and use um, religion uh, as a prop just to think that'll help him and his base and things that he can probably use in campaign ads which he's going to have a lot to contend with in November and up until then with dealing with all of this with the coronavirus um, against the likely front runner which will be um, Vice President Joe Biden and he's just using it and the fact that um Knowing that this uh, this national shrine is kind of owned and operated by the Knights of Columbus, which I am a member of, I am a I am a fourth degree knight, and it was also kind of um, disheartening um, that they were allowing just because Donald Trump is a Republican, because he is the conservative president that they gave him the function to use um, the national shrine and. Uh, St. John Paul II as as props to make it seem like his actions are justified uh, to the religious right and yeah I, d- I didn't like any of it um, and honestly with all of this um, I'm not trying to be a voice I shouldn't be explaining this to anyone honestly everyone just needs to to listen to what our or fellow humans out there that are struggling to what they're going through. For some of us that haven't had to deal with um, with these things, that haven't had to... They've been kind of cushioned and comforted by their white privilege and haven't had to really deal with things like this, that they need to confront them. And uh, kind of before I record, I kind of, this is the thing I wrote down, was that... Um, there was, um, and obviously we've seen um, a lot of, I want to say, I'll, I'll just say companies 
have come out today because this is kind of Blackout Tuesday, uh, as you will. So they call it come out in support with their own um, Black Lives Matter uh, statements or blacking out their logo or doing something like that. And really, I don't need to see Disney or a celebrity or Nike or Reebok or a restaurant. The same reason I don't care how companies were handling coronavirus. Like, I don't need to know why Bed Bath, like what Bed Bath & Beyond's plans are with the coronavirus. I don't need to care what a business entity feels about the Black Lives Matter movement. Because I just want to know the people behind it. Does knowing that Disney made a statement about it, or that the Washington Redskins made a statement about it, does that give me any comfort? No. Right now, we don't need companies using this as positive PR to see that they're a part of the... They're not a part of the problem. They're on the right side of history when all they're doing is just looking out for themselves. I got to see that... um, that Nickelodeon, which obviously it's a a kids station, um, does cartoons and kids shows. It's meant for kids. They did a seven minute commercial regarding all of this, and it made um, a lot of parents uneasy because it it led to some discussion they had to had. Which, in a world where kids as young as preschoolers have to practice active shooting drills, I think having to confront what's going on out their window with all of this is justified. And you can't hide your children from all of this. They have to kind of see the world for what it is. Obviously, you don't want them... You don't want to cause them serious emotional trauma with all of this, but you can't let them wear rose-colored glasses until they're confronted by this as a teenager, as an adult, because it just creates... A lot of people are just blind to all of this. So it's just some things to think about. And honestly, you shouldn't be coming to me for all of this. As much as this gives me um, a voice, my voice and all of this doesn't matter. We have to be supportive of each other. We have to raise people up. We can't be putting people down. Regardless of political views and people are trying to politicize this, saying that oh, it's Democratic governors that are letting this chaos happen because it makes the Trump makes the Trump presidency look bad, or that, um, oh, it's the Democratic mayors and stuff. And another point that I have is that there aren't Democratic mayors. A mayor doesn't have a political affiliation. Yes, they have their own personal views, and they may vote a way they are, but local officials don't, aren't labeled like you're not voting for a democratic mayor or republican mayor you're voting for a mayor as much as people want to put labels on it you're not it's not like you're going to get a republican ballot for a local election where you know oh my alderman i have a choice between a democratic alderman and a republican alderman no you have an alderman or three aldermen they're all it you can't it's the the nice thing about that is is that You can't blind vote with a local election. You have to actually pay attention and know what they're looking for. 
and it, and it still annoys me going back to 2010 when um, my father was running for a state house of representatives. He was running um, Democratic against um, Republican. They were both coming in this race. There was no incumbent candidate in this situation. They both had very similar views, but... And I think my dad had the better record. I might be a little biased, but he's been a government official since I was born. But only before that, really. And he lost, compl- he lost sincerely based on whether there was a D or R next to his name. Because some people just vote for a party and not the person. And that still annoys me to this day. Is that some people are blind to the candidate and they'll just vote party line or vote based on a letter next to a person's name and not that person's background, their record, what they care about. And, yeah, that's it's, it's kind of ridiculous. And kind of moving away from that because um, basically everything is awful and everyone needs to see kind of light and... You gotta try and find happiness, kind of wherever it is. If you're listening to stuff on the network, go listen to Drain to Comics. Get some, some fun stories. Like the one thing I liked during all of this was that there's a podcast and a kind of a it's kind of streamed as well. Um, Fat Man Beyond, which is Kevin Smith. Anyone knows I'm a big fan of Kevin Smith and um, his co-host Mark Bernard, and they kind of talk about. Comics, movies, entertainment, all of that. And it's nice. And they actually did a a live stream Saturday night while L.A. was going through some serious stuff as well. While there was protesting and writing. And you could hear some signs in the background. But they, they talked about what was going on because, obviously, um, Kevin Swith as a... a a white man with some success, a Hollywood liberal elite, however you want to put it, even though he's not kind of in like the Tom Hanks level of like fame and fortune. And then you have Mark Bernardin, who's also in the entertainment industry. He's a, a black man who, and they both got to kind of discuss things from their perspectives on how everything's going. And I even saw earlier today that Kevin Smith was at one of the marches in, in LA. And it's nice to see that some celebrities, instead of just putting out tweets of solidarity, are actually, marching and doing things and actually being a part of the of solution and not the problem and obviously i don't think this is something that you can fix in a day or fix in one march but it's nice to see and i and it was nice to see that um back home um obviously after i left central illinois on sunday to kind of come back up here um there was a march and a protest for this in my hometown and it was peaceful. The mayor walked with them. The police were walking with them. It was nice. And despite some, I don't know, people trying to cause some negativity by trying to do some looting, it was quickly stopped before any damage was done. And they were promptly arrested and shown to not be citizens of the town. And that was nice to see that people weren't falling into the, the negativity of what's kind of going on and not letting, at least in one town that I can that I was from got to see that they um, were able to prevent their message from being blocked out by opportunistic people who were just looting to loot and cause chaos. And it kind of leaves me with kind of two things here is that 
people seem to just be focusing on the wrong things, that they seem to focus on things that think more affect them. And, yeah, like focusing on the looting instead of on the message of the people that are there for. And only seeing clips of videos that show things out of hand or they think it's, or seeing sides that aren't there. It's just, it's it's a lot and it, it's hard. And it's really interesting to see that in all of this, that people don't really seem to care about the fact that we're still kind of under quarantine, that we're still not out of the woods yet, that coronavirus is still very much out there, that people should be social distancing, people should be protected, but we still saw people back together. Yes, some were wearing masks for either for protest reasons or for health reasons, but we did see military and people definitely within six feet of each other, and it seems like that is now old news, that they kept us inside with the coronavirus. They tried to keep us inside with this whole murder hornets thing. Now they're keeping us with curfews and everything else with what's going on with these protests and what's going on. And it seems like they're trying to keep us in. And it's almost makes you want to think like, what are they trying to keep us from? But, um, we just need to be better as a country, as a people. And we got to be open. The fact that we're all people on this big blue marble and we shouldn't be prejudiced against each other. We shouldn't be looking at negativity and spreading it. We need to try to look for hope of future. Like this, like the SpaceX launch, it's a step in the right direction. A step in the right direction. It's leading to us seeing what can come from the future. But we need to kind of fix our problems at home first and kind of be a better future. That if whatever's out there, whatever we can find, is worth. It's kind of worth it in the end. But I think that's where I'm going to leave it today. It's was hard, and it was a lot, and there's not really signs of it slowing down anytime soon, so we'll kind of see where this is at in two weeks. I know I had, I had different plans for this episode, but I think that's where we'll have to leave it. Um, I have been Andrew Poor. Um, please... Um, I really don't want to go through the plugs. I know I normally have kind of plugs at the end of this. Um, but really, um, obviously, if you want some lighthearted topics, please go to a lot of the other shows on this network. Um, and just try and find some things to look forward to. But at the same time, don't hide away and ignore all of this because... It doesn't do you any good. It doesn't do the world any good. And all you're doing is prolonging the inevitable and just kind of burying your head in the sand, which is not what we need right now. We need you to be voices for change, to go out there and vote, go out to make a difference. Don't see this as status quo or just, oh, it's just the way things are. You Things can change. We have to believe it's possible. But that that's it for Poor360 for this week. I have been Andrew Four. Sorry, Andrew Poor. You guys have a great week and just be there for each other. <laughs>